What, episode number? 199. Holy moly. 200 next week. The double hundo. The breaking, breaking off. Oh, the by hundredth. Breaking off another double hund. Chris is frantically preparing. He's trying to find some ways to make it sound good. Spin, damn you, spin! Exactly. Giant robot smashing into other giant robots. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots podcast. I'm Ben. And I'm Chris. And we're going to be talking about the products that we manage at ThoughtBot. I run an app called FormKeep, which provides form backends for designers and developers. And I, Chris, run Upcase, our subscription learning platform for aspiring web developers. So, Ben, I have a question for you. Okay. Uh, one of the things that I personally struggle with, uh, particularly in this sort of managing a product thing, is having a centralized list of everything that we're working on, projects, actions, all of that, versus my own personal list. Mm-hmm. And I have this, this is one of the many pendulums in my life that swings back and forth where I'm like, no, 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 I'm just going to keep it all on my own list and everything will be together and I know where to look. And then I'm like, well, wait, now I've got these people joining the project. I need them to, okay, I'm going to put it all back out on seven Trello boards. And mm-hmm. I've yet to find anything that I would uh, describe as a good system there. I've gotten by. Uh, but I keep going back and forth. Yep. What do you do? I have this exact same problem. Okay. That I is also, both heartening yeah. and disheartening. <laughs> yeah. No, I don't think there's an, a perfect answer for it. Yeah. Um, I've tried like various conventions, which is like all features and bugs are going to go on the Trello board, but like bigger picture ideas that I might want to think about can go on my like, maybe someday list yeah. and whatever. Nothing has been great. And I've like, I always like slip basically. I wish everyone could just read my mind and then that would be great but the thing is i only want to distribute a subset of the list like typically for either of us we're in a position right now where we're sort of in charge of the whole thing Mm -hmm. and then we're breaking off pieces and saying like hey can you help with this can you help with this or can you own this and that's actually the ideal situation uh but still i have you know some portion of my mind on that Mm -hmm. um but i've i've opted at this point to push more into the centralized systems uh, which is especially weird right now. I'm in a week where no one else is on the project. Mm. So it's just me having conversations with myself on public-facing, public-ish uh, boards. But it's just me. It's just only me. Um, I will say the one thing that has worked out for me is the idea of uh, sort of this, I don't know, waterfall or um, starting with larger areas, themes, ideas, epics, I don't know what uh, term you want to use but what are the big buckets of work that i think we're we're working on and then having a another typically a column in trello that is like okay what are the bigger projects that fall out of that and using that to track then individual cards actions etc and that sort of make sure i have the big picture and have that at the very abstract level like i have one card that says teams Mm -hmm. i need to make teams better and then that gets broken down into, okay, well, we need some marketing around that, but we also need some enhancements to the product around that, and then we need some other things. Mm-hmm. And then that gets broken down into individual cards and little bits of work. Mm. This largely falls out of GTD-type thinking, yeah, getting things done. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that's worked relatively well for me, I'd say. I don't... It's, you know... It may just be that the team sizes I'm working on are kind of small, but I don't feel like I get a ton of value out of having a shared Trello board. No? Not really. To me, the biggest benefit is that it gives me a cue that to drop stuff in for other people to do. Mm-hmm. So, like, there are some changes on the form linter that I want Corwin to make. And so there's a place where I can go make a thing, and he sees it, and he can, like, gets a notification, like, hey, Ben wants you to do this thing. Yep. But in terms of, like, tracking the work, 
I don't find it particularly useful. Like once I know that he knows he should do this, I don't care when he does it mm-hmm. or what state it's in. Really, I'm trusting him to manage that. Yep. If there were more people, I might feel a greater need to have input or like to have uh, visibility of to, to what's going on to make sure things are on track. I guess. Yeah. So maybe these are like project management concerns that come up as the team gets a bit bigger. Like I think two def- or three person teams are pretty easy, right? Like you can probably get by without this stuff because it's not challenging yet. Yeah, I think uh, with Upcase, there'll be weird periods where it spikes and I'll have a number of people working on the project and then it dips down to, at this point, like I said, uh, one, depending on exactly how you're counting it. And then it'll spike back up next week and actually a bunch of people will be joining next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the thing that does trouble me is when people do become available, I want to have as much already clarified as possible. So if someone like grabs yep. me and stand up and says, hey, I've actually got three days available this week and I'm busy today, I'm like me personally, mm-hmm. I don't want to then have to say, okay, uh, give me 30 minutes to make the board make sense so that I can give you work that you can then dive into as someone who's not as well affiliated with the project. Yep. Um, similarly, the bigger the team gets, the less I want to be the only person that's owning that sort of breaking apart the bigger picture into more manageable work. Mm-hmm. And so when it is largely me running the project and other people coming in and helping where they can, uh, I think that makes sense. But the more it is me working with a group of people and we have a shared ownership of this whole thing, mm-hmm. the more I think it needs to go towards the centralized place. Yep. I just find I find myself like I find the board falling out of date with what's happening in reality. Like it takes a discipline mm-hmm. or a habit to keep it up. Absolutely, and that's uh, I feel like I haven't done it consistently enough for a while, or like figured out a system for me that like works to like make sure that thing is always up to date. Yeah, I think it's kind of a weakness in my own just ability to manage projects. I would say is that like I have a slight allergy to that kind of thing of like every time I complete a pull request I should go over here and then move this card to this from this column to that one yep. it's like god who cares let's just keep going and do more work yeah um, and I think that might not be a strength <laughs> I'm willing to concede that it's not might not be a good thing perhaps perhaps not uh, having worked with you I think you and I uh, went through similar sequences where there was a lot of like ah, you know what we, we've got to get focused we've got to write down big picture stuff turn it into projects work on those pro- like figure out the work to do then do it mm-hmm and then we would get sort of tired with that and be like, no, let's just do whatever we want for the next few days. And whatever we want being the like, whatever feels the most impactful, interesting, the thing that's annoyed us for the longest time. Mm-hmm. I had one of those days today, which uh, we can talk about in a minute. But mm. nice. those really satisfying days where it's just like, this is, it's not okay that this has been broken for this long. I'm going to take the 10 minutes, it, hopefully 10 minutes that it takes to fix it mm-hmm. and just fix it. So it's done. Mm-hmm. Um but I, whenever I do that, whenever I let myself go, that's that's definitely very um, seductive, and I'll stay in that mode for too long, and then suddenly I'll be like, wait a minute, I've been doing these little things, lots of little things, but none of the big pieces are moving right now, and mm. that's a problem. All right, I need to reset, need to refocus. So yeah, I don't, I certainly don't have answers on these. If anything, I, I barely have the questions, but yeah, I'm tempted to fall back to uh, GitHub issues again. Really, give that a shot. Yeah, so much of the work. I mean. I guess I don't know or nothing <laughs> like I have such a like I have a fairly elaborate to do system myself with mm-hmm. like OmniFocus and getting things done and all this stuff that having that like extra Trello thing is like I have to decide where each thing should go yep and it creates like just for every new task it creates this additional question which is like is this am, am I the only person that's going to do this should I still put it on the Trello board yep and it's just I don't know I have this like really fast capture process on my laptop or like on my all my devices like oh i have a new thing let me throw in my inbox of like stuff that i'm going to do eventually 
and if that thing then turns into like then it's like okay okay here's the thing um Ben's to-do list, Ben's maybe someday list, uh, Trello board assigned yeah. to somebody. Like, is it an idea? Is it a next up? Should I drag it somewhere priority-wise in this column? The, and yeah, and then there's the, <laughs> the this, frustration that I can hear in your voice right yeah. now. Like I said, it's very heartening because yeah, I know that feel. I think it's it's tricky. And, and one of the things that keeps I'm going to talk about this later, but one of the things that keeps the like my to-do system on track is reviewing it regularly. Yep. Regularly. Uh, the Trello board needs the same thing. Oh, yeah. But I don't have that habit built or the reminder set or whatever. So it's like, this card's been here a long time. I I do think we should, I mean, this would be a great thing to do if we could do all the things. Yeah. And like someone did some research on this bug and it's like, that's useful and I don't want to totally lose this. But so I'm, I'm not sure how to be like, how, when I do do these reviews, I'm not sure how vicious to be about like archiving stuff. Yeah. When it's a shared context, I am much more conservative in cutting. And just saying, like, nope, this has been sitting here for four weeks. No one worked on it. This is not a priority. If it is, it will come back. You're conservative about that, or you're when it's in a shared space. So if it's yeah. a if it's a group Trello board, you like tend to the, leave it there. I tend to leave it there. Or compared to my own personal system and my own personal workflows, I'm much more aggressive about saying, like, I haven't. I'm not gonna go climb Mount Everest next week. That was dumb. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I put that on there. I'm getting rid of it. Yeah. Whereas if it's in a shared context, uh, again, in that sense of kind of sharing ownership, mm. it feels. Uh, and this is something that I think is not necessarily I'm consciously thinking this, but I know that stuff sticks around on those boards more often than they should yeah. and more often than it does my own personal workflows. Yep. So that's my guess as to why that's happening. Yeah. Trello has that card aging feature where it yes. will visually show you cards that have been sitting around for a long time, which I think is a, is a nice first step. Have you ever turned it on? Definitely. Yeah. Everything. <laughs> well, so like, right I want away. a card deleting feature. I want a card Ooh. aging into death feature. It's like, oh, you didn't do this for a, you haven't touched this for a month. Yeah. Whatever, it's gone. Like, the idea that you could come up with an idea that's so good or do some research that's so valuable that like sixty days from now it is so useful that it's still around that you're like now is the time to activate this card and do these things. Like, just I'm just so skeptical. Like, yep. the, the you from sixty days ago just does not know what is going to be highest priority, and so you make all these guesses and things that are wrong. It feels it's sort of like anti agile in a sense to me. Yep. It's like we can just we can just get rid of this. We can. The other thing, I, so whenever I do that, whenever I go through and I I clean up, and typically if I do that, I kind of build up the strength. It's the morning. I've had some coffee, and I I cut deep. Uh, but in doing so, I'm now in a mode where it's like, why well, I just took forty percent of the stuff that was on this board off. Mm-hmm. Like it's gone now. We're not. We've decided not to work on that. So I should probably be putting like I don't know forty percent less stuff into the system mm. uh, and maybe it's not exactly those numbers but it always forward informs me to be a little more aggressive at the capture phase not necessarily capture but in organization so in the in the true gtd sense mm-hmm. capture everything you have an idea put it in and then in the organization when you decide where that goes to live does it get to live on be a little more aggressive being like nah you don't you don't get to stick around mm. uh, and that i uh, and i'm assuming you're going to talk about your weekly review later but that's yeah. one of the things that i find really valuable about the weekly review is that's something that sticks with me for the rest of the week. It's not necessarily something that happens during the weekly review. There's plenty of good stuff there, but it's this mindset that I get into uh, where I've seen everything, there's too much, therefore I'm much better at saying no. It's that, hmm. that concept, mm-hmm. which I'm a fan of. Yeah, me too. I feel like so much of productivity or results, I guess, is about deciding the right thing to do and then aggressively doing that thing and aggressively turning down everything else. Yep. So I've done like I've done different to-do systems, and there was a period where I was writing down like one or two things on an index card mm-hmm. during the start of the day, 
I actually did it a couple times this week. Just I saw, for, just for when clarity. I came this morning, I saw the index card on your desk, and I could very clearly see three lines. And I was like, "Oh, he's back to that today." Yeah, and that's one of the things that I do when I'm feeling like there's just so much going on. What's yep. and I'm just like, yes, there are ten projects on this list, and all of them are good and interest or like useful to do. But like, what really needs to get done? Yeah, and try to just hammer those things. There's an anecdote that uh, I've heard attributed to Warren Buffett. And he's, I forget, he's talking to someone and he says, all right, what, what are your five most important projects? What are the things that if you got them done, everything's amazing? Okay, write those down. Now, what are the next five? It's some numbers like that. And basically says that list, the next five, that's your not to-do list. You're not allowed to work on those because they're a distraction to those first five, the things that really matter. Mm. Uh, and I don't actually, this is one of those that like it might be someone entirely different in the world. And I read it probably on BuzzFeed, but it did, st- <laughs> I was like, oh, that's, that's good. I like that. Yeah. Uh, we'll scare up an actual link for the show notes and I'll find out if that's where it comes from. But okay. uh, I definitely liked the idea there of like, these are good things, yes, but sure. they are a distraction from the better things, the more important things. Uh, and being purposeful about that at the front and making that decision early can be a big deal. Yeah, it's difficult to, to say no to the things that look like good work. Yep. It's, those, it's like those like B-level tasks. Yeah. It's like these all, yeah. Those are so tempting, and sometimes they're easier, mm-hmm. and they're not, or they're less scary because they're not the really big, hairy, audacious thing. It's yep. the these are like the easy, you know, not really going to move the needle, but you know, I can get my head around these. Yeah, they're seductive, very seductive. Mm. Well, anyway, that's that's probably enough pontificating about the meta organization of things. What do we actually do this week? We did some stuff. Um, so Formlinter is available to the world. I have been getting some feedback internally, which has been useful. So there are a handful of, I haven't really publicized it. So it's technically available. I talked about it here, mm-hmm. um, but I haven't started doing any marketing efforts for it because I wanted to get some feedback from initial people. I figured there would be a handful of things that were pretty obviously needed fixing. True story. Um, <laughs> so we need to fix a couple things. Uh, and then I want to start the sort of full, how do we publicize this thing, which as we talked about before, feels kind of backwards now. It's like, why haven't we been thinking about this already? Yeah. But here we are. Here we are. Um, do you have any plans on that? Uh, no, not really. Okay. <laughs> I hadn't thought about it. I don't have anything to offer on yeah. that front, but... Cool. <clears throat> Godspeed. I'll make sure I anything tweet great. it. That's, yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I did uh, some fun stuff this week, or I did a thing that was, yeah, some fun stuff, which was uh, the grandfathering was uh, expired Ooh. this week. So long in the making. 60 days in the making, right? Yeah. So it's been 60 days. Um, so I emailed everyone who is on one of the older plans saying like, hey, I emailed you a couple months ago. That time is over now. We're going to be moving you over in those couple days. And I was expecting to get some backlash, but I got none. Nobody was like, wait, what? I didn't see that first email. Or like, you're crazy or anything. It just basically no response. How soon are you planning to actually make that transition? Probably next week. Okay. So you're giving them a few days. If this is like, if they did miss that first email, this is the second email. Sure. Uh, They still get a couple days. So... That's that. And I assume if someone really did miss it and came along and were angry, you'd probably refund or whatever yeah, and deal course. with like any other customer support situation, basically. But mm-hmm. uh, from my standpoint, even the angriest, uh, granted, the internet can produce any type of human, but even the noisiest of customers is going to probably be okay with that. That's a nice solid window. That's multiple. Like, I think you did right by all your customers there. I think so, too. I feel okay about it. And I feel like, I mean, like anyone that's really upset will deal with. And yeah. also, I think if, if you got that first email and thought, this is crazy, you, you would have canceled already, I think. Mm-hmm. 
So we'll see. Maybe once the new charges actually start hitting people, they'll be like, wait a second, what? I should read those emails. So this is interesting. How many folks are in that bucket? About 250. And they've had all of these 60 days to decide to opt out. Mm-hmm. And so implicitly, in theory, they're now opted into the new payment system. Yep. So this is a nice little uh, up conversion that you're going to get, right? It is, but not much. No? Um, so it would be if I... So I'm offering a grant a special plan to these people that have okay. one form. So you can't sign up for a one form plan as a new customer, but as a... There's an up to three. Is that the lowest? Up tier to four. Up to four. So twenty nine dollars up to four um, is our lowest from the you know landing page uh, for the people that do have one form and have been with us for a long time. So that we, um, there's a nine dollar plan that I'm moving them to, which I had forgotten. I'd offered that to them, and then I saw the original email I sent out, and I was like, oh man. So I guess I have to. I'll stick. Some to of that. those people are coming up from one dollar a month. Correct? Yes. Yes, so, so some people are going to be nine nexting. Yeah, I, I I I ran the numbers a little while ago, and it was like we, we might pick up a thousand dollars in MRR or something like that. That's not. I mean, that's, um, that's some, somewhere around there because yeah. some people are paying more because it's it's a whole variety of things where it's mm. it might be you might have like a, a certain number of forms, and on the new tiered pricing, you're paying less. So it's not all positive. So I expect the MRR to go up a bit, but probably not a ton. So net positive, but then mostly this is about the uh, drastic simplification that it brings into the code base and billing. And now there's really just these five or they're all plans are of a similar structure, I mm-hmm. guess is the way to describe it. Mm-hmm. I guess you can do arbitrary things and add new plans, but they're all going to be the same sort of thing. Yep. Yeah. So I started on some of the code to do that mm-hmm. and discovered that there was a preparatory thing I could change I could make to mm-hmm. make this new thing easier which was removing the sandbox feature. So previously, when you signed up, you could sign up for free, and then your form would be in sandbox mode, mm-hmm. which means it could you could see the last five submissions, I think it was, mm-hmm. or some number of submissions. Then you could pay for that form, start paying per form, and then activate it and get it out of sandbox mode. So there's a bunch of code around dealing with that reality that there are sandbox forms and non-sandbox forms, and I could remove all that. Mm-hmm. So currently, people that are on the old paper form plan have unsandbox forms that they don't have to pay for you know for a handful of days whatever that's okay but it's making the rest of the switch easier nice yeah yeah this is uh this is something that's been a long time in the making so i'm excited for you to be on the other side of that and be able be a little more free i think is really the main thing this is going to open you up and there was something, if I remember correctly, a couple weeks back that you started into, realized it would be too complicated yes. based on this. Yep. And so what is that? That's the uh, no credit card trial. Okay. So, so I'm going to simplify the payment system so that I can make it more complex later. Um, yeah. Basically. <laughs> uh, but this is something you want to do, and it was prohibitively complex before. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be a nice change to the code base. So I d- already deleted like 400 lines, just removing the sandbox stuff. Uh, I think there'll be... Probably not quite as much, but a similar amount to get rid of the... There, there's going to be some new, a little bit of new code as well. I think the new constraint is everyone needs a plan, as mm-hmm. opposed to some people have no plan. And so that makes some things easier and some things harder. Um, Your net deleter of lines of code in the code base will definitely be preserved through this, though. Yep, yep. There's no way. That way. That, that's unassailable at this point. I thought about tweeting this the other day. as like, raise prices, delete features. <laughs> repeat or something just go take a screenshot of your contribution graph on both upcase and form keep yeah and just show those yeah because both are net negative right yeah they are yeah 
and that's not that's not like a really totally fair characterization because some of it's like oh you deleted this like vendored javascript file that yeah. had you know a thousand lines so it's not i'm probably a net adder in reality i have like, one client where i'm at a net negative 123,000 lines wow they had the entirety of the ace editor projects checked into public so like a all right that's a lot of unnecessary code but the fact that it was checked into public meant that it was also being served or could be served uh-huh uh, so that was complicated, but we, uh, we, re- we removed that, uh, and I got my largest net negative. I'm very proud of that one. Nice. That's cool. But it is similar. It's kind of like, oh, I found a thing. That's yeah, not a it's real not, thing. Yeah. You didn't actually reduce the complexity in that much. But yeah, so I guess I can t- we can talk about what I hope to do by next time later. But spoiler alerts, it's basically formlinter and grandfathering removal. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, in product news, Tyson Gatch has joined the product team which is awesome for us yeah uh so he's gonna be splitting so tyson is a designer in new york yes new york yeah and he's gonna be splitting time in some fashion between upcase and Formkeep, which mm-hmm. is gonna be great because we both need it yes my first thing that i want to work on with him is activation stuff i want to do a dance studio style onboarding <laughs> on Formkeep. the internet seemed to like the dance studio yeah stuff, i got a lot of so. tweets about that it was good. I mean, I definitely did. I took away some things pretty much. That's cool. So yeah, I talked to the manager person and asked her if she wanted to come on the podcast, and she said yes. Oh, yeah. And there's been more stuff there. So just a, a quick update on that, by the way. So they, you were curious about when they were going to move to the like, okay, how do we like sell you on the bigger package? Yep. So they did, mm-hmm. which was so we're coming to the end of our. So there's a five lesson initial thing. Right. Around lesson three. Mm-hmm. They gave me some homework to fill out. Did I tell you about the homework? I think no. I told you about the homework. No? Okay. So it was like a one-page sheet, which are like, what are your goals now? Now that you've done some of this, mm-hmm. check the boxes of the top. Like, here are like 10 different th- reasons you might want to be interested. You might be interested in dancing. What are the top five? Just check the boxes. And like, what do you think of? How would you describe someone who's a great dancer? Like, what do you, what ki- what do you feel like your dancing is lacking? Like, just these like really like interesting probing questions. Mm-hmm. And then so they took that, and then like the manager person reviews the home, like your teacher, and then the manager person both review your homework with you. Like, okay, you said this and this, and just make sure I understand this and all that. Homework then, is such a complicated term. Uh, well, yeah, yeah, but it was it was pretty pretty easy. Um, and so fourth lesson, they're like, so we've created a plan for you. <laughs> so you said your goals were X Y Z, and that you think that dancers that look like this are cool, and you have these things. And so she so she, she brings out this binder. And on the front of the binder is a picture of this guy. And she's like, you described like, you know, you like there was some aspect of the dance that I was like, it's like really cool that there's like these cool, like masculine type, like dance moves where it's like a kind of like a manly way of doing something. And so they're like, we found this guy who is like known for being like a really great masculine tango dancer. And here's a picture of him as inspiration. And then it says like, it says like Ben's customized dancing plan basically on this thing. Did they Photoshop your head? No, it wasn't me on there, but okay. like, it's like, here's, this was, it was clearly my avatar. It was like, mm-hmm. here's your, like, this is the guy that you want to become. Right. And like, avatar you know, not in the like graphic avatar sense uh in the like this is a forward i can project yeah, it's a projection my, of yeah, you yeah. yeah and then they were like you know they had picked my three top goals and mm-hmm. basically they described like what the future would look like assuming i had hit these three goals and this is uh and then said like do you want 20 lessons or 60 <laughs> was basically the, and it was like well i mean you did a pretty damn good job i honestly felt like i had to do it partly just because i wanted to see what the later tactics would look like <laughs> And just because Did you they put had, it on the Thoughtbot card, is this a, yeah, is this a company yeah, investment now? Totally expensive. No, <laughs> that'd be that'd be that'd be tough to justify. 
but if anyone can do it yeah that does seem like my sort of my sort of scene mm-hmm. yeah they sold me really well honestly yeah it was, it was everything that done. you're describing sounds like i've not read the textbook but i assume textbook get people like put them in the mental state help them identify with that future thing help them define it put words to it attach emotions to it all those sort of things and also the, the pacing of it the structure right. you don't sell 20 lessons on the first batch certainly not you do the first one for free then you sell them on five and then yeah finding the points the obstacles and like the like grabbing the arm thing and taking them to the, <laughs> yes. God, the party amazing. and just there's there's some good stuff that was there so funny yeah there's definitely some really good tactics mm-hmm. for sure Basically, so I did some research on Arthur Murray because I was curious. There are basically two major dance studios in the country, and they are one of them. Huh. Uh, there's only so they're a, a franchise around the country. Then. Yes. Yeah. Um, so there's uh, Fred Astaire Dance Studios or something like that. Makes sense. And then Arthur Murray. Name. And they're both like the behemoths mm-hmm. of the dance world. And they. So I, I found some things about. I was reading subreddits and all kinds of stuff. I went deep, and I found some like dancey people talking about becoming dance teachers, and former Arthur Murray instructors talking about their experiences. And they were saying, like, you know, it's it's nice because they'll teach you how to dance. Like, your dancing will get amazing. And you can, it's, if you love dancing, then you can, like, it, having a day where you teach pe- people dance is cool. And you'll also learn amazing sales tactics. Yeah. And I was like, yes, you will. Yeah. Like, the training is very sales heavy. And it's clear that they are, they have a system and they know what they're doing. And mm-hmm. it's pretty damn effective. Yeah. This place is crawling with married couples getting ready to do their first dance. Hmm. They, they, know oh, they have a they have a well. totally different uh, package. I'm they, sure for they them do. Than for you. Yeah. yeah, and it's so interesting because I heard one of the instructors talking to a couple, and he was like, "Tell me like what you want to look like when you're doing this." Mm-hmm. And, and then he's like, "So he's like, what I'm hearing is maybe you want to look like you know what you're doing, but not like you took dance lessons." And they're like, "Yes," and I was like, "He said that a million times. I bet." Yeah. Just can I can I just take a guess? Is this maybe what you're going for? Yeah, obviously. It's also interesting because that's a. That's likely a customer where you can get X value. It's very much capped by that date in the future. Mm, Whereas right. you yeah, are yeah, more yeah. of a blank canvas where they can keep painting future aspirational things on and keep you around. And I'm sure they know that and they extract yes. a little more aggressively from the, the yeah. married couple than yep. from you. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see. So in my mind, I'm done after this like 20 lesson block. Um, <laughs> Famous last right. words. Like, I mean, I'm like, okay, I'll, I'll do this and then I think I'm going to stop. Yep. Uh, but I, they don't. I, yeah, no. I'm sure around like you know, 15 or something, they're gonna. Those be a, there'll be a whole new thing about mm-hmm. in imagining your future self and what are your goals and all that. Yep. But I mean, the instruction is great too, by the way. Like I'm, I'm talking about all the sales stuff. Yeah. And none of this would work if like the teachers yeah. sucked and it didn't feel like I was getting better and it wasn't a good studio and whatever. So just to be clear, you also have to follow up on the yeah. the value. I've had some interesting thoughts in a similar vein. Like these are people that were very good at dance and then figured out, I'm I'm not sure of the order of operations here, but they have both of these locked down. And I certainly as a developer, I kind of identify as a developer. That's how I came to all of this. I'm very much from the school of thought where I do good things and then I make them available and the world will come to the good things. Mm. Uh, And it's been really interesting watching people like DHH. DHH is a very talented programmer. He did some great work. But where DHH really shines is in the voice that he brings to the work that he's done. And in the amazing 15-minute video that was the start of Ruby on Rails. Mm -hmm. And every year since then being this strong vocal proponent of simple, beautiful code. And when you listen to him talk, he definitely... It's emotional. It's much more than like, this code is good and better and faster. It's, I love this. This code makes me happy. It is beautiful. It's a lot of emotional things. Uh, And just trying to figure out 
how how to bridge that gap, how to be more comfortable selling things, how to be more comfortable. Mm. Like in a one-on-one conversation, I'm perfectly fine talking about Upcase and saying like, it's great, I'm so proud of it. I've done a lot of great work here and put a ton of my best effort into this. But trying to put that broadly out on the internet and say it a bunch of times because the internet kind of requires you to say it a bunch of times, mm-hmm. I'm blocked on that. Why? Uh, I'm getting better, but it's just, uh, I, that's my natural inclination. That's my natural state and not to broadly group in all developers, but I think that's probably more common with developers than not. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like to really focus on the work, the merits of a thing rather than being able to sell it. Those sort of ideas mm-hmm. kind of stand out, but uh, great ideas with no marketing go nowhere. Mm. Like if the people who started Arthur Murray were amazingly talented dance instructors that just waited for people to come to them, they would not be around 100 years later. They would not be dominant in the market. You need both of those to go together. Mm -hmm. And really, either without the other, it's not going to work out well. But if you have both, stuff can go well. What goes through your head when you feel like you're blocked on that kind of thing? Um, I don't know. It's not not conscious thought. It's definitely something of, I don't want to annoy people. I don't want to pester them. I don't Mm want to bother them. And the worst thing is... And there are, say, 10,000 people on our mailing list. And occasionally, like the, the newsletter segment that I send stuff out to for Upcase, and occasionally someone will respond negatively. And they'll say things with such strong language, which I always find really interesting. Yeah. But they're, they're, they're painting a negative picture. Like, this is bad and you are bad and for these reasons. Hmm. Uh, and I have difficulty like disconnecting and shutting that down because I'm like, oh, am, am I bad? Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're one in 10,000. And the other 10,000 are either signing up and enjoying the content of Upcase or quietly saying like, all right, that's good to know about. Not interested now, but maybe later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I definitely, particularly the fear of bothering people and with ThoughtBot, I'm extremely protective of the ThoughtBot brand. Like that matters a ton. And so anything that I might do, like that's my best marketing channel is to go through ThoughtBot and to reach out to the audience that ThoughtBot has for Upcase stuff. Mm-hmm. But I'm very conservative in how I do that uh, because I don't want to mm. you know, use it up, as it were. Not that it's necessarily a diminishing, well, maybe it is. Hmm. Yeah, interesting. Well, the first step is acknowledgement. Yes. Right? So you're aware of the your tendency. I am, and I'm being very perp- – like I said, with each of these releases, we're getting a little bit better. I'm deciding on the places that I think are the right places to talk about it. Um, but like similarly, you're in a position right now where you're about to start marketing. Yep. Uh, I think you inherently are, are a little bit better at that, a little bit more comfortable mm-hmm. uh, with that sort of stuff. But I'm interested to see where you go and how loud you'll be with the form lender mm. uh, and how, how comfortable you'll be and how many times you're willing to say, this thing's great, come look at it. Yeah, uh, it's interesting that you do think Upcase is really solid and good, but mm-hmm. and, and you also feel that discomfort about like or like that worry that you're bothering people by telling them about it. It's mostly that it has a price point. We put out a lot of great content that's also free, and now I'm. It's basically that it's the the monetary aspect that I think complicates things. Interesting. So if you made Upcase free, and your job were still to grow this, the, the user numbers, you would feel more comfortable promoting that stuff more aggressively because no one has to so. pay for it. Uh, and again, like I'm, I, I'm highlighting here what I believe to be a subconscious limiting belief. Yeah. I'm totally fine with charging money for Upcase. We should charge money for Upcase. Yeah. Uh, and particularly, I think like maybe we charge too little. Uh, I've been hanging around with you, so of course I'm thinking that. But yeah. have you deleted features um, or raised prices recently? <laughs> I have. Um, no. Yeah, just joking. I'm trying to think, I thought I might have, but I didn't. But you, you feel like you have an irrational concern that when people see that it costs money, it's uncomfortable for them. That's a, that's a loaded term, but yes. 
well, well. So it's not it's not irrational in the sense that no one thinks that. Many people do say that. Sure. But I am okay with it. I believe in the value of this, and that frankly, we need to charge money for it to exist. And it's definitely worth that investment. I'm certain. Like I view it as an investment, not a thing that I'm buying and then it's gone. So it's worth far more than what we charge for it, presuming mm. you use it and actually engage with it and all of that. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, these are definitely like, I am getting better at this. I'm being very purposeful. I'm pushing myself into this space, pushing myself against this discomfort. But I think, like you said, knowing and, and putting a name to these ideas, mm -hmm. I think is very important. Understanding like, why don't I feel comfortable tweeting for a third time? Mm. What What is that? What's going on there? And then thinking through and coming to these conclusions and then saying like, well, do I actually believe that? Mm -hmm. And most often the, the answer is no, I, I'm, I believe this is a great thing and I should talk about it more. Mm -hmm. um, so that's where I've been getting to, but. Hmm. Yeah, there is the fact that yes, you can be annoying in Mark in your, like pushing your messages out there. There is a too much, I would say. Yep. And also there will be people that push back and are annoyed by most things. Yeah. I get nasty support emails or things like that and, or tweets and whatnot. And that's an unfortunate reality. It is. And the happy people are often quiet. Hmm. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. We can work with this. This is making me sound way more down than I am. I'm not down. I'm actually had a good week mostly. So Okay. Tell me more about that. Well, one of the things that was interesting this week is had a number of meetings and conversations and things that sort of are heading in the direction of clarity. Clarity mm. about the product team, clarity about Upcase. Um, so particularly you and I have had some conversations. And I think what's been most interesting is we've sort of bounced back and forth around what does upcase mean and what do products mean largely within ThoughtBot and what does success look like? Yep. And we've, the, the actual goalposts on that have moved a few times, mm -hmm. uh, which is fine, that's going to happen. And in fact, I think that's been really interesting to see because it highlights the fact that there has been a lack of clarity there. Uh, but we sort of solidified them in, and in doing that, I've spent a day or two in a different headspace with different goals and seeing how that feels and how that informs decisions that I'm making. Uh, and mostly what's interesting about that is just thinking about the effect that those sort of constraints have. Uh, the final set that we've sort of settled on and deciding, you know, we're very focused on growth. We want to bring more people on. That's sort of where we've settled. Uh, but all of the different things, I've entertained a lot of different ideas. Like, well, what if we just had VC level money coming into this and we had a sudden insurgence and we could get a bunch of people on the project, what would that look like? Mm -hmm. Okay, I don't really want that. What about this? And just thinking through different things and deciding how I feel about them. Mm -hmm. So there was meeting with you. Uh, additionally, today I had sort of a kickoff meeting with Matt Jankowski, who's our uh, COO. He is now going to be acting as advisor to the project. Mm -hmm. uh, and he personally is um, sort of a, a no-nonsense gentleman or mm -hmm. some nonsense, but He's going to keep us honest, I think. He does not suffer foolishness. Yes. Uh, in a way that I'm super, uh, I'm, I'm definitely into. Uh -huh. And I'm excited to have that attention brought to Upcase. Yes. Um, so we had a really good conversation today. And particularly, it got to a point where he was sort of enumerating a number of questions. And I found myself like starting to think through the answer to each. And then he kind of, he went on to the next and the next. And I was like, wait a minute. I feel like I should answer these. Maybe not right now, but... It's clear to me the answer is not at the top of my head, but it is in my head. And so for you, bringing you into this project and having you be the advisor, it's probably useful for me to answer these. But also, that's probably a useful thing for me to go through myself. That's um, a, I mean, that's a sign of a great question, a yeah. great third party poking at it. Yeah. Is the fact that you're like, that is a great question, and I yeah. should know the answer, and I don't right now. Exactly. Is like the best kind of question. 
So I asked him to uh, draft up basically a bunch of questions for mm, me, and my job now is to respond to those and find out what I think. That's I'm I'm hoping yep. that it will basically stay in that space of like, yeah, what? Why do I think that? What is going on here? How do I feel about this? Why do we do things this way? Uh, and that's one of the things that I love most about ThoughtBot is the idea of strong opinions loosely held. Uh, nothing is set in stone. The answer can never be because that's the way we've always done it. That's the anti-answer. Right. And so this is, I'm trying to be purposeful with Matt coming onto the project to force those sort of conversations. Awesome. Um, so I'm super excited about that. Uh, and again, just bringing Matt in, I think he's going to be a great uh, voice and advisor and things like that. Especially as someone that has seen so many projects. <laughs> yeah. Like he's probably served as advisor on a hundred of these, yes. like a hundred different client projects. And he's that. seen ThoughtBot work on a lot of products. We've had a few historically mm -hmm. uh, with varying levels of success. And so that knowing specifically ThoughtBot plus product equals what? He's going to bring that knowledge to bear. Mm -hmm. So uh, very excited about that. Um, also, next week, Tyson will be joining, but he'll be working on FormKeep to start. So in about two weeks, I think he and I will sort of have a kickoff. But next week, we have Jeff Harcourt joining on Upcase. So I'm excited, and I'm kind of using this week to prepare mentally and in code. And so that's one of the things that I've been spending some amount of time on this week is just cleaning things up, um, making sure the Trello board is sort of representative of what we're working on, cleaning up old issues and PRs and things like that, and basically trying to give him a relatively fresh start mm -hmm. into the project or use his joining the project as a good time to clean house. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's been great. I've definitely been enjoying that. I've written more code or moved more code around this week than I have in a long time, and that was kind of nice. Mm. haven't been doing that. So particularly some of the things that we've gotten in, sort of an information architecture thing, historically a topic, so like Rails on Upcase, a trail belongs to one topic. So the test-driven Rails course, as the prime example, belongs to Rails as a topic. Mm. If you go to upcase.com slash testing, you will not see test-driven Rails on that page, mm. which is sort of a gap because mm -hmm. that's a really great piece of content about testing. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, we've changed it now. It's a many-to-many -many relationship, which was slightly more complicated than I expected. We had to do it as kind of a one-two-step sort hmm. of thing. I'm not surprised, yeah. given how central those objects are to the uh, It's more just the nature of the relationships. Like, even if they weren't, there wasn't a ton of code to change for consuming, because we don't actually use the topic relationship that much. Mm -hmm. There were a few places where it was assumed that there were a singular topic, but it was more, we needed to first bridge the idea that there would be multiple topics, then map the data across, then remove the idea that there would be a singular topic. And that had to happen in multiple steps on production. There was no way to do that as a single data migration. Hmm. Uh, just the nature of how Rails does loading of classes and things. And uh, potentially I could have done it, dropped down to raw SQL, but it made sense to kind of stage it out. And it also meant that the change went out in multiple steps. So first we just made it possible to do this, mm -hmm. poked around on staging, made sure that was fine. That was running in production for a day or two and then transitioned. And now it's actually live. But so that's the first of what I hope to be a number of changes that we make related to how do we structure the content on Upcase? Mm -hmm. How do we tell a story and uh, pave a track, let's say, or a, a kind of a guided, this is what you're going to learn. Start here, move on to this, move on to this. Um, but just making things make a little bit more sense. 
so that was probably the biggest piece, but then there were a number of smaller things that we cleaned up. Uh, we've been having issues with session timeouts, which seem to be related to uh, domain transition, but we cleaned that up. So that's good now. Uh, we were getting a number of support requests, which is why I allowed myself to prioritize this one. So now we won't get support requests for that anymore. Hmm. Uh, similarly, a number of users after using GitHub Auth as their primary authentication mechanism want to use a password. And... I assume they're logging in on a different device. They don't want to have to log into GitHub and upcase on that device. Mm-hmm. They just want to log into upcase and then sign out and not forget that GitHub is logged in, that sort of thing. It's mm-hmm. my guess. I don't actually know. But uh, this happens once every week or two. Someone mm-hmm. writes in and says, like, hey, can I do that? And we explicitly in the code had a check that said, if they're using GitHub auth, do not show the password field as something that they can update. Mm-hmm. So in order to expose it to people, I had to remove the fact that they were GitHub auth and prevent them. Like if they logged in via GitHub again, it would just reset this. So there was this really unfortunate back and forth that would happen with users where they would say, hey, can I use password? I'd say, okay, make the change in the database, turning off GitHub auth for them essentially. Mm -hmm. And if they then re-logged in with GitHub auth, it would just undo the whole thing. Mm -hmm. And so there were some users where I was like, wait, but make sure you're logged in, then do this... It was all a mess. Very easy fix, though. Just said, sure, everybody has a password. Have fun. There you go. Hmm. Um, so again, a small thing, but that's cleaned up. There will hopefully not be support requests for that anymore. Similar thing, uh, we have a number of repositories that users can get access to when they join Upcase. So things that are part of the Upcase application, the exercise system, all of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but some of them had some issues when people were trying to join them. They were getting errors. And this is one that was just like, ah, all right, I'll deal with that next week, next week, next week. And it kept getting pushed out. Uh, but now we've, uh, I think, sorted it out. And uh, something in the configuration, those repos were configured a little different than the others. But it seems like that's worked out now. And lastly, a couple little styling things, uh, particularly one on the team page where there's an X to delete someone and the X overlap their name. It's just this really unfortunate mm. way. Just like, why? That's too long that that's been that way. Mm. I was about to send an email to a user. I just set them up with a team and an annual team. And I was responding saying, hey, your new team is all set. You can go to this page and invite your team members. And on that page is this very obvious visual issue. Mm. It's like, mm. Nope, hold on. I'm going to take 10 minutes right now before I send this email response, fix that, and feel much better about sending them to that page at Mm -hmm. this point. Mm -hmm. So yeah, really the idea there, lots of cleanup across that, and most of the other boards also documenting a lot of processes. So Tyson actually, as of today, has started poking around in Upcase's code base, Mm -hmm. and he hit a bunch of walls. So I've fixed a couple of code things related to that and documented, oh, yeah, actually, you should just pull down production. That's how we always do that. Mm -hmm. So I made sure that's actually documented somewhere and available. Cool. Uh, So, yeah, excited about those things and the direction we're heading. Mm -hmm. Excited to get some some new folks onto the project next week, some friends, some people to talk to. Mm -hmm. All that good stuff. Sounds good. Lots of new people to talk to. Yeah. A whole bunch of people. Yeah, Jankowski and Jeff and Tyson. Tyson, yeah. Yeah. And me every week. And you. So anyway, that uh, yeah, that's most of what I did. Cool. Yeah. You want to do the questions? Let's do our questions. Why is the product better for your customers than last week? Uh, let's see. A few minor fixes mostly. No more session timeouts. Better sign-in options. Uh, some cleanup on visual things on a few pages and a weekly iteration. What have you done to acquire more customers since last week? Uh, we did a bit of marketing on the bourbon trail. Forgot to really talk about that, but, um, some social stuff, Hacker News and Reddit and things like that, and reached out to ThoughtBot to 
sort of amplify that and then a little bit of outreach. Um, actually, I forgot to mention this entirely, but this was a weekly iteration recording week. So that took mm. up a lot of my time mm -hmm. and didn't even get mentioned. So that's interesting. Hmm. Uh, Maybe you stop doing it. <laughs> still important. Still, I think it's good. But the fact that I didn't mention it in this chat is interesting. Hmm. Also, for more subscribers, I think the topic to trail relationship thing just makes each of those pages a little bit better where mm -hmm. there wasn't this piece of content that was heavily related. Now it's there. So if you happen to land on slash testing, we tell a better story about what we have to give to you. What did you do well that you should repeat? Uh, took a step back, worked at a higher level, thought through things a little more abstractly, a little more strategically, had some great conversations with people to help inform that, um, but really gave myself some space to uh, get out of the busy trap. Mm. What did you do less well that you should reduce? Uh, struggling this week to come up with something. Amazing. Which, uh, I don't know what to do with that. One thing uh, I will say, though, is uh, sleep. I did not sleep as well as I should have. Mm. Came in from the weekend with a little bit of a sleep deficit, and then I uh, did that sort of thing where each night I just kind of kept staying up a little bit later. I was doing something. I was working on some problem and really engaged in it, and suddenly it's a bit later than I wanted it to be, an hour, an hour and a half, and I think it just kind of progressively got worse throughout the week. So a mm. little bit sleepy, but what can you do? Mm. What do you hope to do by next time? kick off things with Jeff. He'll be coming in on Wednesday. Uh, so Wednesday and Thursday will be dedicated to getting him up to speed, talking through what we're doing, all that stuff. Uh, I want to start thinking about the next trail, partly from a post-production, how do we get this ready for launch, but also from a marketing strategic, let's think about this beforehand sort of standpoint. Uh, and then beyond that, I'm not really sure, but I kind of want to leave some space to plan and think and continue figuring out what it is that we're doing here on Upcase. Uh, and what is your Mr. R? My Mr. R, unfortunately, uh, dipped a bit this week. We seem to be struggling of late. Uh, we're at 34,798, uh, which depending on if we're comparing to the number I announced last week, which was a lie, uh, we've gone up, but that's not real. Uh, this is a drop of $312 or 0.9% from last week's 35,110. Okay. How about you, Ben? How is your product, FormKeep, better for subscribers? Well, if you have an old paper form account, your sandbox forms are now all full forms. Ooh. Um, for the next three to four days. Yeah, exactly. So live it up. Live it up. Freeloaders. Um, also, we, uh, we, Goose, fixed a longstanding annoying support request bug, which is edge casey, but happened often enough that it was annoying, which was if you happen to be the kind of person that types your email address using mixed case... You could not reset your password. Monban? Yep. Monban is the authentication library in this case, and that's, I assume, yeah, where that, this came yeah, from. Yeah, we updated Monban. All right, I complained to Goose, who updated Monban, who then pumped the, the dependency and got it out there. But it was a confusing thing to people. It was a confusing thing to the kind of people that type their email addresses with capital letters. So you can see. Just don't. Yeah. PSA, do not do that. I don't think we need to tell this audience. <laughs> I don't think this was like a bunch of developers. Probably not. What did you do to get more subscribers? Nothing directly except for more linter work. More linter work. Mm -hmm. yeah. Got to market it now. I know. Got to get on the marketing train. Yep. It's a good train. I'm hopping off it. Uh, what did you do well that you should continue? Uh, I got up really freaking early a couple like days Like crazy early, right? Crazy early. Yeah. I think it was, yeah, Tuesday or Wednesday, I got up at like 5 o'clock and... I basically like sent my first thoughtbot email like five ten or something after I made coffee. So it was like wow, yeah. But it was great actually. I felt amazing. Got a lot done. That yeah, I've said it a million times. But you asked what I should repeat. I should repeat getting up early. 
you do repeat the concept of early yeah. <laughs> effectiveness most weeks. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, stick it to it. So, it. do you have an interest in actually sticking with that early, or is it just generally early that seems useful to you? I don't know. That early is pretty magical, just because there's a, a ton of time before anybody bothers me. No. Is it sustainable? Wakes up. Uh, probably not. Okay. One night didn't seem to bother me at all. Like mm-hmm. I didn't even feel tired. Uh, I think doing it repeatedly would, would require massive bedtime shifts mm-hmm. that I'm not super into making because I really like the night as well. So we'll see. All right. Uh, what did you do poorly that you should do less of? Uh, so we talked about weekly reviews. Uh, I am, yeah, I'm behind. I need one. Mm-hmm. I've been flying from the seat of my single index card. <laughs> For a couple the days. The one index card of truth. Yes. It's like, just get these things and ignore the pile, the tire fire over here that is my unreviewed <laughs> mess of to-dos that have been done already or are old or whatever. Yeah. If we're being honest, I'm probably a couple months overdue on one of those. Yeah. It needs to happen. It needs to happen. It, yeah. I lose track of like certain small things mm-hmm. because I trust my system to have all the things that I need to do in it. And if I don't look at the system, then stuff gets missed. And I missed a thing this week and it just... That yep. stuff happens. Sport queue backs up because I don't have a thing that says do the sport queue. And if yeah. I don't see it, I don't do it. And blah, blah, blah. I'm at the place where it started spilling out into the inbox. I've noticed I don't send stuff into OmniFocus right now. I send things to email. Uh, I start to send it to OmniFocus. I'm like, I probably won't look at that for a day. This is important. It goes to, ah, oh, crap. Yeah, ah, no, good. I'm back to that. Yeah. So hopefully I'll fix that soon. Mm-hmm. Hopefully you will as well. Yes. Uh, what are your plans for the next week? Next week would be awesome if I can finish up the linter. I'd like to have, yeah. No more code on the linter. Basically, have it be code complete um, and starting the marketing effort on that. Start the activation work with Tyson. At least get him pointed in the right direction mm. uh, and move everyone over to the new plans. I don't know if all the code changes will be in place to fully simplify that, but just having the everyone move so that we can start building them more mm-hmm. <laughs> would be a good first step. Would you be like super embarrassed if the world started seeing the form linter right now? Or no. If you started sending and that's why I started talking about it. Okay. Oh, you're saying like maybe I should start marketing it now? Yeah. Like you use the phrasing hope to or I would like to. Yeah. I think uh, this sounds like you're at a place where you can just make the decision that like marketing is the thing to do on that and gradually add some fixes. Sure. But yep. uh, make the that decision now. Yeah. No, I think that's a good point. Cool. Yeah. How about your MRR? Uh, up 1% to 7346. Nice. Uh, nice, but a little concerning. Um, our, yeah. it's, it's growing slower than it has been. The last, okay. uh, across the last couple of weeks have been flat-ish. I mean, we're up a bit, but not much. I've noticed that new trials are down a little. Hmm. Uh, we have decreased our marketing spend recently because we we're finding that it was not um, profitable. Uh, our acquisition costs were too high on mm-hmm. on the um, on ads in particular. Is yep. what I'm talking about. So we had a nice run where we're adding a, a fair amount of customers, but when we looked at the numbers, it's like we're not adding these people profitably. So. Uh, we've seen a dip in new signups, which is causing the dip in or the, the slower growth. And so the dip in new signups is that does that track pretty directly to dip in traffic associated with purposeful reduction in ad spend? I think so. Okay. Yeah. Do you have? Are you exploring any other channels, or do you have anything in mind for? I mean, Formlinter is a new as another channel. Hopefully. Okay. I don't have specific things in mind after this, except for a an ad on designernews.co. Co. Yes, and All possibly right. also reaching out to Zapier some more. Their blog post drives us customers just consistently. They did like one blog post about us, and we get a lot of signups from it. So I want to say, hey, like, how else can we make use of your giant audience and turn them into customers for us? I mean, customers for both of us, because, you know, it works both ways. It does. It's win-win. So we'll see. Especially for you. (laughs) Yeah, it's (laughs) win-win. Awesome. Let's wrap it up. Today's show was produced and edited by Tom Dick the Bomb the Bang the Bang Diddy Obarski. 
If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to giantrobots.fm slash 199. Thanks for listening.